right. Good morning, everyone. My name is Joel Berry. I'm, I'm not Alex. He's uh, Pastor Alex is, is out this week. I help out here at uh, Ridgeview Church with a welcome team and some other things. And if you were here last week, uh, you heard Alex mention that he was heading to England that day, him and his wife and, his, and their, their three children. So that's where they are. They're in England. Um, Alex's grandmother lives there. That's where Alex grew up. And um, it, it's uh, been a good trip. They're going to be coming back this week, but part of the thing is, as you know, Alex and Sam launched this church in February, and they've uh, invested heavily the last year, a great sacrifice to get Ridgeview going. And it was, a, it was a hard decision, but like he mentioned last week, his grandma is almost 95, and it seemed like a very uh, strategic opportunity for him to get back to spend some time with her, and also for their kids, you know, their three children to spend time with their great-grandmother, um, possibly one last time. So um, that's where Alex is, and I know uh, he appreciates your prayers. They're going to be traveling back this week. And you'll see, actually, up here, uh, there, there they are in England this past week. With, that's Grand Ruth. That's what they call her. And they've had, a, uh, they've had a great week. I saw another picture that he posted that had, um, they were having tea and scones, which makes sense in England. You've got to have tea. And, and their pastries. And so they've been having a, a really good time, but I, I know that they would appreciate your prayers as they travel back this week. So I hear something. Do you hear something? Is it just me? There's like a feedback. Okay. That's fine. Well, I'm over it. It's not your problem. Um, all right. So we've been, we've been looking at the Proven Playbook the last two weeks, and uh, we're, we're, it's a five-week series. And what, the, what these are that we've been looking at are really ways that we at Ridgeview uh, relate to each other and, and, and proven strategies for success according to Scripture. So two weeks ago, we looked at uh, what they're called the heart attitudes. These heart attitudes are, are things that we commit to at Ridgeview that are pulled out of the Scripture of how to relate to each other. So the first one was others before me, which is um, I'm going to put others' needs above my, above my own, um, which is easier said than done, as, as we all know. And then last week was... Um, to live an open and honest life before God and others, which, again, um, Pastor Alex talked about, it's a, a matter of using uh, discretion, not deception. So obviously, we want to live an open and honest life, but there is a balance of not telling everyone everything, but finding uh, people that you can really trust and be vulnerable with about your shortcomings and your faults, and, and really growth and, and progress is found in that. So today, that brings us to... Uh, Playbook, uh, what is it called? Proven playbook, what is it? What are we, what are we doing here? Um, the feedback loop. Oh, play number three. I was just looking for a four-letter word, play. Um, play number three is the feedback loop. And if you're like me, when, when you hear the word feedback, you may think, well, if I'm asking for someone's feedback, they may actually give it to me, and I may hear something I don't want to hear. You know, it's a hard thing. I don't do that very often. A lot of times, if you're close to somebody... Um, you know, growing up with your parents or whoever, they're going to give you feedback whether you ask for it or not, right? A lot, a lot of times. So you're, you think, well, why would I go and make myself that vulnerable and put myself in a position to say, hey, can you tell me uh, shortcomings you see in my life that, may, that maybe I can't notice and that could help me? But really, that's part of it. So with feedback, it's kind of a nice way, but we know underneath there is this element of there may, there may be some correction involved. And correction, correction is hard. My family and I went to Arkansas this summer. Uh, that's where my parents lived. Got a rental car. And rental cars are usually fancier and newer than the car I currently drive. That's kind of how it goes, right? They keep the newest ones on stock. 
So day two of the rental car, I get in this car, and there's a message on the dashboard that says your air pressure's low in your back left tire. And I would say, hmm, let me go look at that. And I looked at the tire, and I was like, that looks like an aired-up tire to me. So I drove on it. And then um, I got where I was going. Then later that morning, I told my dad, I was like, hey, there's this message on the dashboard that says one of your tires doesn't have air in it, but I totally has air in it. So somebody's wrong, right? And he goes, well, we can go to the mechanic. Now, this is a town in Arkansas that has less than 800 people. So um, I, I thought I might be in for an experience. So I was like, yeah, let's go to the mechanic and see, see what they can do. So we pull in, and it's not like you would imagine maybe here. There's not a bunch of people in khakis and polos like, hey, you want some coffee and water? It's imagine gravel and a metal building, and then inside that metal building are some tools and some people. No real uniforms, so you're trying to figure out who's a customer and who works there. But we, we got in there, and there was a guy standing there who was waiting to get his truck fixed. And I, he's you know, talking about why we're there. And I was like, oh, I'm, I'm in this rental car. And the, the light came on and said, my air pressure's low. But, I mean, the computer could be wrong. And he laughed. He's like, the computer's not wrong. And I was like, oh, okay. So we just kind of waited there for a little bit. And a guy walks up who I thought was another customer. Turns out he worked there. And um, he, he's like, you know, they figure out who's next. They, they know it. You know, it's not about like, hey, how you doing? There's not, no greeting. But they're all like competent in getting their, their work done. And they're keeping this mental list of who's in order. There's no sign-in sheet. They're just like, you're next, pull up. So it was my turn. And they had me pull up on, a, on these ramps, which I, all of a sudden there's this pressure on me. I'm like, now I have to perform for these guys. They want me to pull this rental car that's not mine that apparently has an issue uh, on these little tracks. And so they're doing that thing. And I'm like, well, I don't know how much gas to give this thing. And then I don't want to go through the back of the sheet metal building and... So there's a lot of things going on in my head. So I pull up, and then the guy says, you know, one of these. So I start turning it that way. Then it's a shaking my head no. He's like, now go back that way. So I'm like, oh, my goodness. I'm on vacation. This feels like a test. <laughs> so I, I get the thing up there, and then I'm, I'm out of the car. I'm like, you know, like make, I get clearance from the guy. They're like, I'm done with my job. So I get out of the car and just back up and say, please help, you know. So they take the tire off, and they're doing all these things, and um, you know, I'm still like, well, I, they said, you know, the PSI is low or whatever, but I, I see four full tires on this thing. But, you know, it's a nice thing to do. So they take it off. They, they do something. They come back to me, and they're holding a nail in their hand, like that long. That was in your tire, and they fixed it and sent me on my way, and I was like, oh, my goodness, there was a nail. And um, thanks to that little computer, I didn't keep driving. Like, I had an option at that point to, like, say, I know what the feedback I'm getting from this new fancy rental car is, but I don't see that, and so I'm just going to keep going. And I actually could have kept going, but it could have led to damaging a rental car or much worse, hurting me or my family. And so thankfully, in, the, in retrospect, I'm glad that I actually listened to the feedback that this modern computerized car was giving me, that there was a nail in my tire that I couldn't see. I looked at it. You know, I felt smart enough to be able to recognize a nail. They pulled it out. I got out of there, and we went on our way. But a lot of times, we can look at feedback as an interruption. In fact, I did. I'm on, I'm on vacation. Why do I want to go find a mechanic and get my car fixed when I can see that these tires are working fine? I drove all day yesterday on them. I've driven today already on them. But actually, feedback isn't an interruption. It actually can be a real blessing, and it can be a real help. And if we don't heed feedback sometimes, it could lead to worse problems down the road. But it's not always easy to see that at the beginning. And like I said, there's this edge of correction. And I think what we want to do today as we dig into Scripture is see that 
Correction isn't a negative thing. In fact, it's scriptural, and there's a lot of help to be found in it. I want us to look at Ephesians 2, 1 through 7. You'll see that on your handout. There's a listening guide in the program if you'd like to list, uh, follow along there. You can take notes if you'd like, or you may just want to follow along on the screen up here. That's fine. Uh, but I want to read through these and, and talk about this a little bit. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Um, so we're painting a picture here that we're all starting in the same place. Because when we come to correction, sometimes you may feel like, they think they're better than me. Who, who are they to tell me? Who is this car to tell me that there's no air in my tire, right? It's that idea of, of, of who are they. But we're really starting off in the same place. You and I are, have been dead in our transgressions. Now, Paul was writing this, the Apostle Paul was writing this to a church in Ephesus, um, and he was telling these people who had lived a life of sin and hadn't known uh, a relationship with God uh, until now that, hey, we, we've all, we're all coming from being sinners, and, and we're broken, and we've made mistakes, and, and there's things we're not proud of, and, 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 and there's things that may have happened this morning or yesterday we're not proud of. It's not like we got it right five years ago when we committed our life to Christ, and it's just smooth sailing. So the idea here is we're all starting from the same place. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving wrath. Um, the, the Bible is clear. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. So Paul's painting this picture of where we're coming from. And then let's look at these next verses, 4 through 7. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. So when we weren't even looking for a way out or didn't even recognize that we needed a way out, Christ was suffering for us, dying for us, and restoring our relationship with God. So when we're ready, that opportunity awaits us. It's, it's an amazing thing. So, and, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. So we have gone from death and sin to life in this present world. We have hope and life and peace and a connection to God that we didn't have before, and then we have hope after death uh, to be with Christ. And, and there's a lot of hope in that. So I want us, as we get started on looking at the feedback loop and receiving feedback, um, which can feel like criticism or critique, saying, we are in this together, and, and when we, because we are forgiven and because we are right before God because of Jesus, um, we are in a position to be able to relate to each other and love each other in a way that is helpful, and, and it's really counterintuitive to, to culture and, and maybe our natural tendencies. You know, I'm not inclined to beg for feedback and criticism personally, right? Um, now, we may be more inclined to give it. I, I definitely have that tendency. I could tell them how to live their life. Right, but as we get into criticism uh, or, or really um, feedback, we can think of it as negative. Especially if you have something to say to someone that may be very helpful, because there's the the fear of rejection, of of loss, and that they're not going to take it in in the right way. Uh, so I want to look at a, a video, and th this video is is football season starting. This is a football video, and, and this is kind of what life feels like when. Uh, you feel like your team is working together, like your, your relationships are good, 
and you, you don't have anything stopping you. So let's look at this first video, and we'll talk about it. You ever feel like that? I don't need any help. I'm breaking tackles. Bring on another day. And there, there's no, no stopping you, right? But the idea, if you really look at that, there's a lot of teammates there uh, aiding in the success of that person that's, that's getting to the end zone. There's a lot of work there. Um, and so there may be times in life where we don't feel like we even need feedback because it's going great. Nobody can stop us. Nobody can tackle us. But we actually all have blind spots and if you're not aware of blind spots, it could really come out of nowhere. Now, we're going to watch another clip, and you may want to brace yourself for this. It's a little more painful than what we just watched, but it's this idea of being aware of your blind spots, and if you don't, it could really surprise you. So let's take a look at that. Here comes stuff. Here comes stuff. Here comes stuff. Y'all don't really want it like You get the idea. Don't you just want to go home and lay on an ice pack? I kind of do. Um, so that's what it kind of looks like. That's a good picture of being blindsided. Uh, and, and we get it flipped sometimes. We think, if I ask for feedback or help, um, it's going to hurt. I'm going to hear things that I don't want to hear about my life. But the truth is, if we're not asking for that and we're not giving and receiving uh, the right correction in, the, in, the, in our relationships, we leave ourselves vulnerable to hits like this in, in, in life uh, relationally and maybe financially and, and all kinds of other ways where we're going to get ourselves into trouble because according to the Bible, there is real benefit and progress to be made as we dig into the scriptures and we see that uh, getting feedback and getting help is actually something we need to seek out. And, and also we need to give. We're, we're on both sides of that. Giving correction and receiving correction is, is something in Scripture. So I want to look at this uh, next verse. So we're committed to building each other up, um, which is a big, big thing because you want to know what people's motives are. You ever been corrected and you're like, where did that come from and why, 
What, what's your deal? And sometimes it is. People just don't like something they see in you, and they think the best way to get it off their chest. It's more about, you know, and, and I think I've been guilty of that too, where it's more like, I need to get this off and, and say it. But it's not really hoping to bless or help the other person, and that's not the perspective in Scripture. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another, just as you also are doing. So we're, we're called to be an encouragement to each other. There's different ways. Sometimes it's with our words and, and also with our actions. And then to build each other up. Um, and, and going along with the football analogy, uh, good coaches, good teachers, good leaders uh, build their teams up. They, they point out what's going on right, and then they also coach and help in ways that, that may be blind spots that they don't see. Um, and that's a, that's a big part of what we want to do in the body of Christ is to encourage each other and build each other up. Let's look at this next verse in Colossians 3.13. Be, bearing with one another and forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. There are a couple of uh, assumptions in this verse. One is, if you have to bear with somebody, it's not like you might have to. It says, we will. Bearing with one another. And you think of that word bearing. Sometimes there's people that you might feel are unbearable. People in your life could be a boss, coworker, family member, whatever, in a relationship and, uh, and within the church, there may be people that uh, naturally you, you don't click with, but because of Christ, you work at relating. Um, bearing with one another is actually, and it, and it doesn't always be a negative. It's not always a difficult person. It could be someone that's going through tremendous loss, uh, and you want to bear with them in their grief, or they're going through tremendous difficulty. But we are expected to do this which is we're alongside them and we're bearing with them in the situation, offering help and encouragement and letting them know that you're there. Um, and forgiving each other, which also assumes that we're going to mess up with each other. And so we're not going to get it right every time and we seek forgiveness and we clear those things up. Uh, whoever has a complaint against anyone, uh, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. And that goes back to what we were talking about in Ephesians. Just, you know, we are people who are forgiven, we, uh, of all things in the world, the weight of our sin has been lifted. And because of that, whatever else happens, we are, we are accepted in the eyes of God Almighty. And because of that truth, it changes the way we operate. And, and we, are, we are really liberated. We are really free. Um, so we should be forgiving as well. We can, we can offer forgiveness because of the forgiveness that we've been shown. Um, and it, 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 whoever has a complaint against anyone, if you're like me, you can list people that are close to you, and you could maybe name five or ten things that uh, uh, annoy you about them, right? Or people that you work with, complain. It's easy to complain, and then you could probably come up with lists, but sometimes it's easier to complain, at least if you scroll, you know, Facebook or social media, you see a lot of complaining, right? That's natural. That's kind of our bent. But Scripture says, okay, if you have a complaint, there's a way to handle it. And so that's what we want to think through as we navigate the uh, our relationships with each other. All right, let's look at 1 Corinthians 16, 14. Um, let all that you do be done in love. So when it comes to correction and, and getting feedback, this needs to be where we're operating from. Recently, I had a conversation with a friend, and during the conversation, they mentioned to me something they'd noticed in one of my children uh, that I might want to be watching out for. And at the time, I was like, Somebody's telling me how to parent. And then, um, and actually later they texted me and said, hey, you know, we were, we were talking about that, and I don't know if that landed wrong, but I, I, that wasn't my intention. And I texted them back and said, you know what? I know that you were coming from a place of love, and because of that, 
it, it landed well. You know, sometimes you still hear things that are hard to process, especially if you're a parent or anything and someone's got feedback on, on how you're, you're like, hey, you don't live with these kids all your, every day, all day, right? But the idea is that, you know what, I, I, I do need to watch out for that, and I haven't actually noticed that lately. And that correction was a real blessing to me, and it's going to bless my kid too because of that. And, and I know that the person was approaching me because of real concern, not because of I want to show you that I know more than you do about this, this category or that category or whatever. It really is a matter of moving past ourselves, um, our pride, and, and really accepting the help God has for us through each other and through the Scripture. So let all that you do be done in love. So um, let's look at uh, the value of correction. So heart attitude number three actually is, I know the title, uh, the play is the feedback loop, but um, the actual heart attitude that we commit to is to give and receive a scriptural correction. Um, and so, again, there's that word correction, and, and there's value in it, but it, it can be hard. And a lot of times we look at correction as, you know, a boss gives us correction, or when we're younger, a parent gives us correction, or the police give us correction. There was a time a few years ago where I got pulled over four times in a year. It was an expensive year. So it got to the point where when I stopped at a stop sign, I'm like, I'm saving my family money right now. And uh, there was one week, there was one week I got pulled over twice, and I had my kids in the car, and I think they probably just thought that was normal. You know, we, when we go to the store with Dad, the, the car with the lights pulls us over. They give Dad a, a golden ticket. They, they, they peek in and say, are you kids okay? And then uh, Dad gets to go. And then we eat less next month. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> So there is that idea of, oh, I'm being corrected right now. And the, and the, we, we look at authority and correction as a negative thing, but it really comes in through loving relationships as well. Um, and what we start thinking is defensive thoughts when we're corrected. So I want to look at Proverbs 27, uh, 5 through 6. I think it may be up here. Yeah. Uh, um, it can be trusted. That's the one thing I want to say. Better is open rebu- rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. This idea is that some people can be very flattering to your face uh, for their own gain, but they really aren't concerned about your well-being. In fact, they may be flattering you because they've got an agenda. They've got something that they want to accomplish and to use you to do that. That is not the way uh, the body of Christ and Christians within the church are to operate. Where We are to operate um, when, when we do uh, offer correction in, in a relationship Scripture says that's actually a good thing. It can be trusted. Wounds from a friend can be trusted because you're protecting someone else. Uh, we know that, you know, in parenting, you know, if you try to stop a toddler from touching a stove or running in a the street, they're not going to be happy with you because they wanted to do that. But, and it's hard to reason with a toddler if you've ever tried. But the idea is I just saved your life, and, and there was great protection in it. It didn't feel good, but it was going to feel worse if I didn't, hadn't stopped you. And the idea here is that as we relate to each other and correct, uh, that, that can really be trusted. We don't have to think, I've got to figure this out on my own. I've got to figure out my flaws. I've got to figure out how to be a better uh, spouse, parent, worker, friend, um, anything else on my own. In fact, Scripture gives a lot of support for us relating to each other and getting help from one another and obviously from, from Scripture as well. Next, uh, the value of correction is it's the way to life. Um, 
For these commands are a lamp. This teaching is a light, and the corrections of discipline are the way to life. So those are two words that aren't that easy to like always stomach, correction and discipline. It's not something that uh, we, we think is like being easy. Uh, if you're disciplined in, in, in exercising or eating or getting up early and being to work on time or doing your job well or anything that we have in our life that we're trying to be disciplined, it's, it's not easy, but it actually says the corrections of discipline, when we're corrected, that's the way, that leads to actual real life and real blessing. And if we choose to ignore it, like the football videos, there can be real consequences that could have long-term effects. The good news is, if we've, we've made mistakes, which we all have, and we're, we're reaping long-term effects, God is able to bring blessing in the middle of that. As we turn to him and start to get um, insight and help now, God is able to make up that time and, and to really help and lead us into uh, rich relationships today and healing and help. And so there's a lot of encouragement to be had here. Next, let's look at uh, the door to understanding and honor. That's the value of correction. Proverbs 15, 31 through 32, he who listens to a life-giving rebuke will be at home among the wise He who ignores discipline despises himself, but whoever heeds correction gains understanding. So this idea is that uh, living among the wise, and and the Bible kind of defines success as living wisely, uh, we would be that way as we listen to rebuke. Um, But if we ignore discipline, we don't like ourselves. That's what Scripture says. If you're, you're given correction or God has revealed something to you that you need to address and you say, no, thanks, it's kind of uh, harming yourself. It is harming yourself, according to the Bible. Uh, but whoever heeds correction, you gain understanding. Sometimes you don't understand until you do it. Okay, this person and this insight and this wisdom and this advice that I got, that's what they said, but I've never tried that before, and I don't see how it would work, and you may, you're not going to understand it until you heed the correction. And then once you take the step, to, to, in the direction of wisdom, then you say, oh, now that, now that makes sense. I see why I didn't do it. Like the kid's like, oh, that's why I saw a kid burn their hand on the stove. That's why you stopped me from doing that. Now that makes sense. So that's the idea behind this is that um, sometimes, I mean, it's faith, right? It's saying, God, you, you say this is true, but everything in me says I want to let that person have it and go do whatever I want with my life. And, and, and the Bible says resist that urge. Now, part of what I'm saying here, and Alex mentioned on it last week or touched on it, which is we don't, just because someone gives us advice and feedback, you don't immediately necessarily take it. And we're going to talk about that in a minute of, of really what that kind of filter looks like in, in making decisions as we receive input from other people and who to trust and, and how to navigate that and how to actually work it into the fabric of our life. Um, so one of the thing is, yeah, God's not going to rip us off, and we need to do that. So how do I, let's, let's move into correction. How do I give correction? Um, there's a couple of examples on your listening guide. I think there's pra- actually about 10, but there wasn't room, so we'll, we'll put them up here on the, on the screen in just a moment. We'll want to work through it at one at a time. Uh, first is 90% encouragement, 10% correction. Um, AYSO soccer starts this week. I'm coaching my youngest son's team. And this is my approach to coaching. I'm like, it's a bunch of high fives, way to go, you guys can do it. And then 10% of the time, I'm like, and try to pass it and score if you can. It's good, guys. But, but most of it is a lot of uh, 
Go, you guys can do it, you're able to do it, don't give up, don't quit. And this is really the environment uh, that Ridgeview wants to, to build. And you find in Scripture, uh, that's 90% encouragement. And that's again, that's not my tendency. I can tell people all day, uh, as, a, as a parent or as a friend or as a husband, hey, get this done and do that and get that done and get that. And rarely say, oh, but you're doing this good and you're doing that good and you, you're a huge help here. I, I can tend to forget that. So the, the thought behind this is, if you've got a correction to give someone, you've got nine encouragements to go before you say, hey, I've noticed this in your life, and I was wondering, uh, and, and I think it might be an issue, so I want you to be aware of it. So the idea is that we really want to build an environment of encouragement before we say to someone, um, I've noticed this, and it's a concern to me. And it really is that First uh, uh, Corinthians sixteen fourteen. Let all that you do be done in love. Um, so part of it is taking the time to think through what you want to say because you're actually concerned, not to just get it off your chest because you're annoyed. So there's a, like a there's a moment you know we need to take that time to make sure that we're coming from the right place when we when we offer something to someone with the really hope to help, not just to to make ourselves feel better. That isn't the goal. So the second one is speak the truth in love. Ephesians four fifteen. The, we don't have the scripture there. You can look it up, but. And that's the general idea of it, is that you speak the truth in love. Now, the truth isn't, hey, that's an ugly shirt. I love you. That's not what we're talking about. Some of these things are preferences and opinions. They're not, you know, gospel. And so you want to be sure uh, what you're saying and and how you're saying it. But it's these ideas of things that are people that are involved in habits or or things that could be potentially harmful, or they may already know it's been harmful, and they're they're thinking, well, no one else is telling me it's bad. I mean, I have a track record of a broken life, but no one has really said do anything else other than just yelling at me and say, get your life right, so I guess I'm just going to keep doing this. So if we can come, uh, you know, in our relationships from the approach of, hey, I love you, and this is what I, I see, and I'm concerned, I'd like to bring it to your attention. And then obviously, at the end of the day, we all do what we want to do, but one of the concerns we have is for others, and so we want to make sure that we are doing our part to love them and love them rightly. Let's look at the next one here. So uh, pray over the matter. So I think now we're getting into the ones that aren't on our listening guide, so these are ones you may want to write down. Uh, if if you're going to speak to somebody, uh, talk to God about it first and, and say, you know, this is the concern I have, God, and Will you give me wisdom in my words and how to approach it and the timing of it all? And I've seen people that I trust, like mentors, that have uh, waited a long time, years, before they said something to someone uh, because it didn't make sense before. Uh, one, one conversation I heard from a mentor, they said that their mentor came to them one time. Well, this person came to their mentor and said, hey, I think, I'm thinking about doing this. And the mentor said, yeah, I've been praying that you would come to that conclusion. And, it, and I thought, well, why? If you saw that, that they should make this decision, why didn't you tell them? Uh, and in that situation, after praying about it, they believed that they would pray for that person and that God would lead them that to, to that decision when they needed to. So part of it is the timing, and you really want wisdom on that. It's not, you know, as, as comfortable as it is or easy as it is for me to want to say, okay, let me check off the box. So as soon as, as, soon as I see something wrong, I run and tell them. Well, maybe, uh, if you have clarity on that from God, but you want to pray over it first, you know, as you, as you approach these situations, because there is real care, and, and God has a real um, time and procedure for things, and we want to be in line with that, and, and so that's, that's the third one. Let's look at another one. 
Keep moving here. So correct based on scripture. And that's what I was talking about earlier. Like, hey, ugly shirt, I love you. It really isn't scriptural, right? That you can't wear plaid with stripes. That's not scriptural. That's style maybe, but it's not scripture. So the idea is you're not going to correct based on that. Or, or annoyances. I can't believe they chew with their mouth open. I'm going to go correct. Well, I mean, as a parent, you want to do some training there, obviously. But um, the idea is that these are things that are more scripture that that deal with relationships and decisions and things that could affect your long term that there's certainly things you want to have conversations about but you want to correct based on on scripture so look at that and if you're not sure get feedback you know from someone that you trust as you work through this let's look at the next one correct based on a pattern so um if someone has done something over time maybe months years decades uh you may want to, you want to start addressing it. Or even in your children, you realize over like the course of a year, like, oh, that's, that's just what they do every day. And, and uh, it, it, they're getting the bad result. Or they keep getting in trouble with me or wh- whoever. And uh, there's a pattern here. So we want, to, we want to address it. So look for a pattern. If it's just a one-time annoyance, uh, you may want to show some grace and overlook. But if it's something that becomes a pattern, then consider correcting. All right, let's look at uh, the next one. Think through your words in advance, you know, what you're going to say and how you're going to say it. Isn't that one of the biggest issues, it seems like, in, in culture today with, with the immediacy of sharing with the world whatever's on your mind um, and, and in response to a bad day or a bad conversation? We can just throw it out there to the world and throw somebody under the bus and talk negatively about someone, but you get a very different picture in Scripture. Think through your words in advance before you just speak to them because, again, let all that you do be done in love. Our goal here is to help and bless. It's not just to get things off our chest. That's not our goal. It's really to see progress in other people and to see them win in life. And we know that winning in life is lining ourselves up, our lives up with the truth of the Bible. So think through your words in advance. And then be prepared for anger and rejection. You can do all of those things and speak in love, but you can't control someone else's reactions. Um, and so be prepared that they may be hurt and angry. Think about how you feel when you're corrected. I know how I feel when I'm corrected for a minute. I'm like, wait a minute. Who, are you, who do you think you are? And, and you, wanna, you want to be defensive. In just a moment, we're going to look at uh, how we respond to correction as well. But be prepared for that, for anger and rejection. And, and just don't, don't try to defend it. Just say, yeah, I, I understand and I love you and this is why I'm I'm uh, having this conversation, but you don't want to obviously get in an argument, but you do want to expect that their response may not be ideal, and that's okay. All right, I want to uh, look at how, how do I receive correction. First, you control yourself, uh, humble yourself, Proverbs twenty nine eleven, which is a fool gives full vent to his anger, but a wise man um, keeps himself under control. So a fool just says, just lets it go. As soon as they hear something, they say, oh, yeah, we'll take this, right? It's the immediate response. It's the knee-jerk reaction. And when we're corrected or someone comes to us, Scripture says, control yourself, humble yourself. You know, you take it. Okay, thank you. You know, see it as a favor that you're doing, they're doing to you. They're, they're doing, this is, this is blessing. It's kind of like the athlete. They go through a lot of pain, you know, no pain, no gain. They go through a lot of training that doesn't feel good that is exhausting, that is rigorous, but there's blessing and help on the other side of it. This is the same way spiritually. When, when you have these opportunities to receive correction and someone lo- loves you enough to approach you, humble yourself, control yourself. Let's look at the next one here. Don't demand nicer treatment. 
You can write these verses down if you'd like. We don't have them all on the screen. But don't say, well, you could have done it this way. You could have, you, because actually, people can correct you incorrectly. They can come at you rude, and, but what they're saying could be right. They didn't approach you kindly or nicely, but you still want to sift through that and say, wait, could I gain some help from that? I heard a saying once that said, you're still going to accept the mail from the mailman even if he's got mud on his clothes. The idea is like, okay, somebody may deliver something to you in an ugly package or whatever, but go ahead and listen to what they said and just consider it. And, and you, it may not be helpful once you consider it, but just listen to it. Um, let's look at the next one. Thank the person for their loyalty and courage. You and I both know that to, to correct someone lovingly takes some courage, and it takes real concern and care if you're doing it. Um, so, so thank someone if they do that and say thank you for your, their loyalty to you and their courage. And then ask questions and make sure you understand what they are saying, but not to defend yourself. So when someone is uh, offering cor- correction, you can say, okay, I, what I hear you saying is this and that you see this pattern in me and that I'm, and then, but don't say, but you know the reason I do that is because of this and this. And do you know that person? They're way worse than me, right? We don't get into that, but we do ask questions to make sure we're understanding. This is really um, life-changing relationship changes. This is not how the world operates. And we're, we're used to thinking if we don't defend ourselves, uh, who will? Or if, if we don't uh, say what's on our mind, who will? But God promises not to rip us off if we choose to live according to a scripture. So this process may be harder, but God can help us through it and bring real blessing from living this way. And let's look, is there another one on here? Okay, if you realize they are right, admit it, thank them and change. And that may not be that day. You may have to go back, go home, think about what was said, and then uh, say, yeah, you know, that, that was right and that was actually really helpful. And uh, wow, I wouldn't have seen that on my own. Thank you. So that's that one. And then if you are unsure, tell them you'll pray over it and consider the matter. I've had that before, too, where someone came to me with something, and I said, hmm, I don't think so, but I'm going to ask other people. I prayed over it, and then you come to a conclusion. It's like, I don't know that that was exactly accurate, but it still took loyalty and courage for them to say, hey, I'm really concerned. I think I see this, and, and so they still did it. So it may be something that you, you don't need to necessarily address, but you do need to consider and work through. And then pray over it and ask God to confirm or disconfirm it. God, this is what people have said, or this is what this person I love said. Uh, is that true? Could you give me clarity, God? And if there's progress to be made or something I need to address, give me the courage to do it. Because we all know that change is hard. We, we have our habits. We have our patterns. The older we get, the older I get, the more I like my routine, right? So you've got to say, are there things that are starting to work their way into the fabric of my life that aren't, aren't right and they're the wrong way of, of handling things? So that's that. I think that, is that all of them? We good there? Okay. I want to show a, uh, a video real quick before we do that. There's a, there, Proverbs 25, 28. This isn't in your listening guide. You can write it down. But it says, a man who has no control over his spirit is like a city broken into with, without walls. I was talking to my son. He's 11 now, my oldest son. On his 10th birthday, we went out. We were talking and hanging out. And I, and I gave him that verse. And I said, um, self-control you know, cities that have walls around them, you know, in, in ancient Israel, and then obviously our houses have walls around them. Uh, the picture there is if it, there's no walls, anything can come in and anything can go out. And if we uh, don't have self-control over our spirit and we let every piece of 
news or every comment someone says or everything, every person in traffic affect us and it just comes in and then we launch out with our anger or our frustration or our worry or our fear. It's, uh, scripture says that's like, a, that's like a city that's broken into without walls, a person that has no control over their spirit. And so we don't want to be that way. We want to be people with self-control and that's actually a fruit of the spirit. When you become a Christian and the Holy Spirit lives in you, these are the fruits that grow and one of them is self-control. You actually don't have to be uh, dominated by fear or worry or anger or any of these things because self-control is, is, is part of who you are now, and God will grow that in you. All right, um, Pablo Rangel, who did a great job on our announcements this morning, was asked to share on heart attitude number three and how he's seen that lived out at Ridgeview. So I want to show this video, and then we'll be wrapping up here shortly. Hi, my name is Pablo, and I want to share about heart attitude number three, given received scriptural correction. As I have been a part of Ridgeview, living an open and honest life is something we value. As I've chosen to do that, it has allowed me to give people the freedom to speak into my life because they actually know what's going on in it. This became really helpful when work felt like a grind, and I was just sharing to a couple of guys at Ridgeview about it. Unknown to me, my attitude towards work was that of complaining and grumbling. This was brought to my attention. As I thought about it and knew that they were after my own good, I realized, you know, they were right. I had a bad attitude and and didn't even know it. That helped me adjust my thinking towards an attitude of gratitude for the work God has given me and encouraged me to honor him with it rather than complain. That's uh, so true. We, we see things, people can see things in us and we're like, oh yeah, that's, that's going on in my life. And, and we all, you know, when you're in the middle of something, it's hard to see the bigger picture sometimes. That's why we need each other. There's a statistic that says 98% of the drowning at beaches happen on beaches without a lifeguard because we need someone looking out for us. And that's how it is in the body of Christ too. We are here to uh, do life together. And when it gets messy, we clear it up and we move forward together and we find real help and strength and progress. So um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to invite the band up at this time. I'm going to pray, and then after that, I want to just talk through a few next steps for this week. Will you pray with me as we continue? God, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that it is constant, that it doesn't change, that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever, and that you can be counted on, and that as you lay out in the proven playbook of the Bible of how to find real success and progress and growth in life, the that we can follow that and really find real help. And we, we thank you, God, that you provide that for us. Give us strength and wisdom uh, as you speak to us uh, through your word on how to take next steps in our life, to, to obey you and make progress in the way we relate to each other and the way we uh, handle our personal disciplines and respond to all the things that come at us throughout our week. And we ask for your help with these things in Christ's name. Amen.